0: Welcome to Your Digital Reputation. Here's your host, Roger Christie.
1: Hello, and thanks for joining us. My name's Roger Christie, founder of digital reputation advisory firm Propel. And today we're asking a question I've been dying to tackle. Should leaders avoid social media? Yes, you heard me correctly. Should they avoid it? Now, I expect this to be one of the harder conversations I'll have on this podcast, but I'll try my absolute best to remain balanced and partisan throughout which I think is important as whether I think leaders are better placed avoiding social media or not, the vast majority still do or don't use it properly. And this episode is all about understanding that mindset. Fortunately, I have two very credentialed guests with me today who have been critiquing social media's merits from a communications, leadership and reputation risk lens for many years between them. So who better to tackle this topic than the former head of communications at the Reserve Bank of Australia, among many other roles, Vanessa Pooley, and the former GM of Media and Communications at the Australian Stock Exchange and committed Shakespearean, Matthew Gibbs. Thank you both for joining me on the Your Digital Reputation podcast. My pleasure, our pleasure, I presume, (laughs) yes. Now, Matthew, you suggested an alternative descriptor for this session, which I think was something along the lines of two 50-somethings who don't like social media, which I thought was a little bit harsh, (laughs) and I certainly don't want to set the tone for this conversation too early. Well, well, indeed, because I mean,
2: you're not in your 50s (laughs) and more am I. So I
1: do take offense at that. Exactly right. But I think the thing that I want to tap into as part of this conversation is the fact that you've both sat in communications chairs of organizations that have had fairly high profile, both in a regulatory capacity and also from a scrutiny from the media and public. So I've got no doubt that you've grappled with this question around should leaders avoid social media or been asked it many, many times, as have we, I should say to at propel, you know, we've worked with the likes of the ACCC, so we understand um, it can be a challenging and complicated question to answer. And it it isn't at all black and white, but I still know that many people see it that way it is either better to avoid it altogether and don't go near it, or if you are going to engage, do so wholeheartedly and really work out what that means for you. So I want to start by asking you the big question, not to put you in the hot seat, Vanessa, but I do believe in ladies first. So in your opinion, should leaders avoid social media?
0: I truly believe you should think about this in the same way you would think any other type of communication. So think about the who what why when and the risk management exactly the same doesn't matter what the communications channel is the questions are still the same why the hell would you do it what are you going to get out, out of it and i think that's probably one of the issues so the reputation issue that we're coming at we talk about reputation when it comes to social media we we almost talk about it as if it's a popularity contest Reputation is not a popularity contest. It's not a central bank's governor's job or a senior executive's job to be popular. If there is a reason to do any type of com, uh, communication f- to get to a particular audience, then you do it. You don't do it otherwise. It doesn't matter what it is.
1: Mm-hmm. Completely agree. Matthew, what are oh, your well,
2: I, I agree too. I mean, You may as well ask, should CEOs or leaders avoid drinking? or driving, or supporting the Sydney Roosters. Well that's, well, that's it. Given I'm a sea eagle, I mean, I think that's a more clear-cut case. We're aligned on that. There should be a ban on on supporting the Sydney Roosters. Okay, I concede that. And I know you've got a few chickens at <laughs> home, Roger. But, I mean, seriously, there are risks associated with so many things, including being on social media. But that's not a reason of itself not to engage it always comes back to those fundamental principles about uh, why engage? What's your purpose? Uh, Can you do it authentically? Um, And then on top of that, I think social media, there's no question, it offers some new bells and whistles that the carrier pigeon and the fax machine and some of the other things I mentioned earlier don't have. You can reach a whole lot more, a much greater audience of stakeholders more directly quicker using various social media platforms than you could have in the past. So there are attractions uh, to leaders using social media, not avoiding it. It's a question of how you engage with it. I also think there's another implicit question in your Master question, which is, well, who are our leaders? Uh, do we have enough of them? Um, how how do we want them to talk to us? So I think there's a. There's and what also, are they
0: leading us to? Yes, because that's the other thing, right? That's the when we talk a lot. Often with social media and leaders, we're talking about one of the arguments about a CEO doing social media is it's important for employees and prospective employees to see the culture and values of an organisation. Right, right, That's fine. We can discuss that one in a minute. But the other thing that we see more and more is for people to be commenting on other things, on social aspects of the day, whether that's gay marriage, the Indigenous voice, all of those things that we're expecting from a CEO, for them to take a position that's leading us somewhere that has nothing to do with an organisation. And so there are all of those questions inherent in this kind of stuff I think. And the one the other thing I would say in this assessment when it comes to authenticity is the question of when you when you talk about media whether that's broadcast or press media one of the questions you ask is am I the right person to be talking about this? So even if I have a view on a subject am I the right person to be talking on this? And I think in social media, that's a big question too, depending on the audience. So if your audience is a particular demographic or a particular type of person within or external to an organisation, then is the middle-aged white person fuddy-duddy in a suit at the top of the organisation?
2: She's looking at you, not
0: me. Are they the right person to be doing that communication in that channel anyway? They are they the right voice, so all of those things. But you would ask those questions regardless yes. of the channel.
2: So it comes back to uh, leaders probably shouldn't avoid much at all, as long as the yeah. checklist of okay, what, you know, why, how, and a dozen other questions, including what's the purpose, what's the intended yeah. outcome, etc., are answered satisfactorily, and and then it's <laughs> the answer is probably going to be. Well yes let's 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 do it under these terms and conditions. And sometimes the answer to the question should leaders avoid social media is yes. Sometimes they should. It it shouldn't be a a very binary you either speak or you say nothing. Sometimes silence is the best type of leadership depending on the circumstances. Leaders aren't chatterboxes, they're not necessarily talking all the time across whatever platform, including the various social media ones. So as Ecclesiastes <laughs> tells us, you know, there is a time for silence and a yes. time to speak, but a time for silence as well. And that is a very critical part of a leader's armoury, I think, knowing
0: when to be quiet. Reg- regardless of the clamouring. So it still may, might be the right answer to be quiet, even if you get shot for being quiet. It still might be the right answer, and that goes back to this. It's not a popularity contest. It's a reputation. And one of the things that goes into that is brand, right? And I don't mean brand as in Coca-Cola. I mean how you demonstrate who you are and what your values are. That's a brand in itself, separate from reputation. And if you don't understand what your brand is or should be, and you don't understand the gap If there is one between that and the subject or the demographic you're talking about, that's the hole that your reputation is going to fall in.
1: And I think we've been talking for five minutes and there's so much in what you've both just said there, the ideas of popularity and purpose. I want to actually pick up on that point around diversity of voices. And it does go back to exactly what you were just saying there, Matthew, about sometimes it is appropriate for CEOs to avoid social media, because they may not be the right person to talk about a certain issue. And I think when we talk about should they or shouldn't they avoid it, if you take that binary perspective on it, what happens is when you're advising a leader, they're told They are the owner of the voice. They are the authority. They're the first person that people must look to for comment. And sometimes that's not the case. Mm. But the tension with that is social media, going back to what you were saying, Matthew, social media, unlike any other media, as I understand it up to this point, it's the only one that anyone across an entire organization can access themselves without necessarily having permission and set themselves up. So the difference between mainstream media, the financial review is not calling John on the shop floor for a comment about something that's just happened. They will obviously go through the official channels. Mm-hmm. Social media. Not always. Yeah, <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? I would love that, that financial review. <laughs> Yes.
0: We would, be, we would have been much less well paid if that had been the case. <laughs>
1: John on the shop floor, though, has the chance to say whatever he likes, wherever he likes these days, regardless of mainstream media. And I do think that's the point I'm making here, which is when we talk about whether leaders should or should not avoid social media and the nuance of social media versus other channels and discerning which is the right channel or not, this is the one place where anyone can have an opinion. Of course, there was a the recent defamation case,
2: without naming names, but a recent defamation case and the judge in that made the point, mm-hmm. and a, def- a defamation case across social media platforms. And the judge made the point that this is the characteristic of social media. Its vice and its virtue, simultaneously, is that everyone is a publisher. That's the flip side of what you're
1: saying. Everyone has access to it, simultaneously. Yes. So therefore, as a leader, if your purpose is incredibly clear, you know when to participate? you know when not to participate you know when your voice is the right one and you know when someone else's voice is far more appropriate and it's not a communications team funneling everything through the one leader who becomes this chatterbox this basically revolving door of comments on social media instead they have a uniquely identifiable and distinguishable voice on social media as they would in any other media yeah
0: so there's a, there's the p that you're articulating without the word which is policy which in an old fashioned sense would be like would be to stop people talking on social media. There is there are frameworks that you need to put in place in big organizations to make sure that everybody knows what they can and can't do to stop well, because people do stupid things and move markets as well as say offensive things and release information than they shouldn't, all of those things, but to have the different voices in authentic ways and to know when they should and when they shouldn't is very important, I think.
2: Including because, unlike most of the other forms of communication, the other platforms, social media has... The line between, am I talking in my personal capacity or in my corporate capacity, barely exists. So I don't think anyone throughout history has put out a media release on their organisation's letterhead saying, what a great dinner at my friend's place tonight, although I didn't like the dessert, it was off. No one has confused the personal with the professional on other earlier, more traditional forms or platforms for communication. But this is one of the risks... Inherent in social media is the CEO or the leader or any employee for that matter of an organization can confuse, can use the same, the one platform to blur the personal and the professional, and therein dangers lie.
0: And so, and that's the virtue, right? So, there are a couple of examples completely outside our sphere. That I think do these things differently, but really well. So, there's a a really good example that I would follow would be Lorna Jane Clarkson. So, her social media is very clearly Lorna Jane Clarkson as a person and Lorna Jane Active, which is the company. So, her social media presence and brand on her personal channels. It's very branded in the sense of values and structure and graphic design and all that thing. But she's living the values of of her brand, the company, but there's no selling. It's articulating a set of values that the company kind of is an articulation of. But the selling of the product is done directly through the social media of the company. And the two don't meet. And it's very cleverly done. And, I, and that's a good example where, where a leader, I mean, as much as it's her name, it's still a different thing. A leader is using social media effectively to communicate values to a demographic. Jamie Oliver is a good example of how those two things are completely intertwined in a very, uh, a very effective way. So, again, it's his name, his company, his name, but there is only one social media account. And one of the things that I really like with Jamie, so Jamie is dyslexic. It is quite clear from his social media that the vast majority of posts are actually written by him because they're full of classic typos of a dyslexic. But it's so authentic. And he does let people into spaces in his life in the way that Lorna Jane wouldn't. But it's, it, they, they're using them in the same way, but differently. They're using them to achieve the same kind of outcomes, a value and an articulation of those values in completely different ways. But somebody has sat down a thought about how you do that.
1: You know what's interesting? It goes back to what you were saying earlier in terms of the audience that's listening and their expectations. That is, for me, what sits at the heart of this. Communications channels up to this point have had, to a certain degree, a level of professionalism on them at all times, always. And yet social media has broken that down. Has it broken it down because suddenly everyone's feeling relaxed and has taken the tie off? No, it's because of the expectation that social media is a way to actually get beyond that professional dialogue. I think those leaders who do actually separate somewhat from the professional and, and definitely not pushing product. I mean, that that's, that is for the brand to do. That is the job of an advertisement. When people recognize that it's the values that people are actually interested in, it's the story behind it, where it came from, why it is this way, not that way. When leaders can actually tap into that and do it in an authentic way, as you were saying with Jamie Oliver, that's the power because we know that as you're saying, and it is a fairly large market these days, we know that the younger demographics are looking to leaders for something different than pushing product in the corporate script. They want to get behind it. And like there's reports like the Brunswick Connected Leadership Report that talks to 82% wanting mission vision values. They don't want detail and information about what the latest results and earnings calls are. They want more than that. And so I think there's something in there about that shift away from the way comms has been done to the way that People expect it to be done today, and the role that social media plays in that.
0: But I, but this that goes back to whether what you're trying to achieve is authentically demonstrating the values as you, the CEO, have them, or whether you're trying to meet, in inverted commas, the emotional need of a particular audience. Because I can tell you, I'm I don't want my emotional needs met by a bank CEO. I want him to make sure that his risk management is done properly and the cyber security is right. And he's signed up to the payments platform, right? That's the role that I want from a CEO. If uh, from a banking CEO, when I'm thinking about who I'm going to bank with, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do investigation about their corporate responsibility and all of those different things and all their risk management around cyber I'm going to do that investigation on different platforms, but I don't see a banking CEO's role to meet my emotional needs.
2: So, and you highlight a good point, point. and it's probably you'll have to bleep out the <laughs> the, the numerous times the Shakespeare that, no, no, the, 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 <laughs> not at all. I mean, I'll, we throw a, <laughs> I'll throw a few more in. No, but the the number of times we've already used the word purpose and or authenticity because. What you're saying about the difference between, say, a Jamie Oliver or a mm-hmm. Lorna Jane versus a bank CEO and how they might use the different types of media to communicate to us is really about also not just you being able to pick and choose what you mm-hmm. consume and for what reason, so you you understanding your purpose yeah. as the consumer or the stakeholder, but also the, the, the leader, to use that broad term, needs to understand as well who they are and what yes. they're really doing. You're right. You probably, I mean.
0: Yeah. I, Is that their I, job, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: You, you need to understand the business you're in. And mm-hmm. I, by business, I don't just mean business as in a, uh, yeah. you know, a business, business corporate yeah. sense. I mean, you need to understand what you're doing, what you're about, yeah. what role you play in that context to then find for you the right platform to talk to your audiences, to talk to your community.
0: Yes.
2: And sometimes it will be via a a tweet or a Facebook post or an Instagram or a a this or a that. Sometimes it won't be. Sometimes that will be inappropriate. So there's a whole lot of understanding that needs to go on here.
0: But also it's a personality base. So I think the two keep big australian buy now pay later it's a really good example i know you've done podcasts with other people on these but both of them by coincidence or design have two founders one who's cool and one that's not right
1: so you like have the this, I- <laughs> yeah like this
0: just here. So, <laughs> you, so you have the ideas dude I'm not sure I am the idea, <laughs> And then you have the person that makes it happen. And those are two fundamental things to put together. But it's quite clear when you go into a, so, into a social media environment, when you're trying to be authentic with, in a consumer PR sense, that you want Larry Diamond, who authentically wears his boardies in the office and serves, to be communicating in one way, and Nick, Molan who he was the guy that had the fashion retail idea and the finance platform behind of it behind it was was kind of came on after he's the one that you put in the good weekend magazine in the pink fluffy shirt right those those are channels that are authentic to those individuals because of who they are as people and the role they play in the organization's history the smart finance dudes who have an entirely different role, who are their co-founders and co-CEOs, they have no business on Twitter talking to the, the kind of masses about fashion. It's not authentic and it's not their job, but they're, they're the ones that do the investors' results, right? Mm. So, again, it's about horses for courses in your channels, I think.
2: Yeah, and one of the things, you just reminded me of something or provoked something. I marvel at why someone would think someone wants to know about what they had for yes. breakfast, or what shoes they're wearing, or whether their pink shirt is fluffy or not, as you say. So this is something that I personally have balked at. I'm not a show-offy person. I'm not. I'm a modest person. And before you say it, yes, you've got much, much to be modest about, Matthew. I know. I know. But I mean, it takes. What I'm trying to say inexpertly is that it takes a sort of personality type to want to be that sharing, and it, it requires almost a suspension of disbelief that the millions of people out there, they're going to want to know what I've got to say on this or that or what I'm wearing today or eating tomorrow. And that I won't disparage that, but it takes a skill set to accept Mm. that, to believe that of yourself. I don't think many people have it. And
0: even CEOs. I mean, even I you know, Correct.
2: Yeah. Even CEOs. Perhaps a bit well, more, not especially, but even
1: CEOs, yeah. yes. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Your Digital Reputation, where we share the best advice and examples of leaders getting it right online. But did you know that just 6% of ASX 200 CEOs are meeting the social media standard? And that means a whopping 94% of our most senior executives aren't harnessing their digital reputation. It's a worrying stat, but there are still plenty of executive examples to learn from in Propel's Digital Reputation Report, the only Australian report that features stats, examples and insights about how our top 200 leaders are using LinkedIn today. It's full of ammunition to help you start valuable conversations with executives in your organisation. If you'd like a copy, simply head to propelgroup.com.au and click the report link. And remember, our mission is to see good leadership amplified. So if you need a digital reputation audit, masterclass, or one-on-one coaching for executives, please drop me, Roger Christie, a note via LinkedIn. Okay, back to this episode. I want to challenge what you've been saying. I know, I said I was gonna be partisan, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna we're on opposite sides of the table for those listening. I'm pulling the plug. <laughs> you said you were modest. Please hear me through. <laughs> what what I wanted to call out there is I think it's really great that that you're talking from your own perspective and going back to your example before, Vanessa, about the fact that you don't want to hear from your bank CEO. What there are certain ex- expectations and requirements for you. And how on earth could possibly someone wanna know? what we're having for lunch and what we're doing tomorrow and that sort of thing. And I think what therein lies actually a little bit of the secret, which is there's a very diverse audience out there. Some people do want to know about the rigour and they want to know about the governance and they want to know about the credentials and the thoroughness of what an organisation is doing. And others actually want to hear a different message. We have many diverse audiences today and maybe this will put a lot of leaders at ease, but I think what you've just described there in the kind of buy now, pay later scenario is maybe we've got a solution to this for any leader in any comms person listening today, and that is to have two completely opposite co-founders because you've got one person who is the numbers. Exactly. And one who is more about the storytelling because I don't think you can just play to numbers and play to performance and play to rigor these days and get away with it because there's an audience like you, Vanessa, that is quite discerning and critical and rightly so. But there is also an audience that Perhaps like Matthew is a little bit more warm and fuzzy and wants to talk about things in a different tone. So people are different. And I think that's the point I'm getting to is social media. If we try and force our leaders to fit in the archetype of what is popular and what is celebrity or or the cult of the celebrity CEO, if we try and force them down that path, absolutely, as you say, Vanessa, that is ripe for risk. And that's trouble right there. And it is a waste of their time too if it's not authentic but we've got to recognize that there are audiences already out there who do have that need and do have that expectation so how can we engage them and sometimes that means the ceo does focus on core business and elevates and empowers other people from across the organization who do wear board shorts into the office to tell that story
0: instead but i think that's i think that that's a much broader um trend, the, the diversity in the way that you just described it and empowerment is a cultural change that has nothing to do with social media.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I don't think I, what you just said, the principle, underpinning yeah. what you said, has applied since the beginning of PR. Uh, you know, when I, when I was a boy, when I was wearing board shorts,
0: you
2: know, <laughs> that, that, that's just about working out works best for your organisation, and often that will mean you need multiple experts, multiple spokespeople, multiple voices. It just so happens we're talking about that principle which has been around forever and how that works across social media. But I think the principle is time-honoured.
0: But also we're talking about social media in a generic sense, and there is a huge spectrum within that and a huge spectrum of what you can do safely in those environments. So LinkedIn is a very different kettle of fish in a professional sense for a CEO Hmm. than Twitter. So at the Reserve Bank, we made a decision that we we would have a presence on Twitter and most other social media platforms, but that it would be a alert presence so it was a way of distributing media releases or alerting people that media releases were coming up but one of the key reasons that we actually went into social media to do that was not so much to distribute the media releases but was to have a presence in case we needed it so in a crisis particularly a banking crisis where you needed to have the followers and social media to put out messages in an immediate sense of whatever. You had to be in it to win it. And the only way to do that was to be in it the rest of the time. But we took a very structured, considered, as you would imagine, uh, there was a thought process as to how you could do that. So, how you could be a little bit pregnant. And that was to have an alert sense. So, in all of these things, you can choose not to interact, you can choose to just broadcast if that's going to be right for the organisation. And there is a huge difference to the swamp that is Twitter and a professional social media that is LinkedIn, that you can have people in different spots on that.
1: I I think that's a really good point to make, which is this idea of when we talk about avoiding social media, I know one of the common criticisms that is used or common uh, rebuttals that is used for the case for social media is this idea that you're going to get trolled you're going to be an easy target. And I, I love what you're saying there, Vanessa, about this idea of you need to, to play the game. You, we need to participate in order to have that authority, that license when times get tough to be able to control your narrative. I remember we had a client who actually played this back beautifully to us and said, we've opted out of social media for too long. And now just because we want to say something doesn't mean people want to hear from us. And I think that's a really powerful way of looking at it. And, and we also know of others in you know very, very highly regulated industries where there isn't a presence for the most senior leaders. And what are they doing? They're constantly putting out fires hmm. around people who are fabricating accounts and, and setting up false personas on their behalf as you've done, and that example on Twitter is a really good one, even if you're using it to broadcast and, and, and you know, just to maintain or claim your stake online, it's a really powerful way to mitigate risk. Social media is actually, participation in social media can actually be a way to avoid risk rather than invite it. Well, it's why that principle is why the emergency services, for example,
2: yeah. in recent years, will yeah. use social media very extensively. Yeah, and,
0: Facebook particularly in that
2: And if you've got a holiday house down on the south coast during summer and it hasn't rained for a while and you can smell smoke, you're watching and listening to social media to get updates. So, yes, I mean, I, I think you're talking there about the – that's one of the – no question one of the positives of social media. Again, it's broadly defined that that – the urgency and the immediacy of social media uh, is a good thing and can be used yeah. for uh, managing, yeah. de-risking crisis situations.
0: And we t- we've talked about social media in the sense of people consuming consuming media, your social media directly. But I would say there is a huge proportion of the population whose only consumption of media in a traditional sense is now through social media. So they get their news, in inverted commas, through social media. So you're not talking to a whole demo. If you're talking to the the SMH, you're not talking to a vast proportion of the population, and we talked probably implicitly about generations then but there is a whole other set of demographics within the, within Australia, particularly. So when we were launching the very first banknote in the new series, which was the five, we did a lot of research on how different demographics, whether that's different um, nationalities, genders, regional uh, ethnicities, religion, different uh, generations of migrants, things like consumer media. And there's a huge, huge part of Australia that do not consume mainstream media, media at all. They get their news through other things, whether that's community or um, social media. And then there is a huge demographic that are very vulnerable of the older and regional Australians, particularly who do still do still consume and believe your mainstream media. So mm-hmm. you kind of you have to be in both really yeah. to get your message out if, you, if your Indeed. message is important.
1: And on that point, I want to take it a little bit further and say if we go back to those crisis examples and we go back to the fact that, as you say, consumer behaviours and trends are in some audiences, some demographics, moving away from mainstream media altogether. This is the case for the leader as opposed to the brand. So if we're saying that there is merit in being visible on social media in order to get messages out in crucial times there's two reasons I would say it's important that that's not just the brand, but it's also the leader. And one is the algorithms. So the algorithms are actually looking to people's stories over brand stories. And LinkedIn is a classic case of this, where organically, you're going to get far more reach and impact through a person than you are through a company page. That's just the commercial realities of LinkedIn. And the other side of that is that people want to hear the human story that same human story actually, and we know this from Crisis Management 101, in terms of building empathy and compassion between an audience and a leader, it's much easier to throw rocks at a faceless institution than it is an individual who has a heart and a soul. So there is merit almost, not using the I think leader some as a. There's tall
0: poppies in Australia who would disagree with you, some of whom are fairly short. Well, not even
1: just Just poppies, whatever their height. Yeah. Still growing poppies. But I do think that as a trend, And as a consumer behavior, if you, I mean, you only need to work for probably a week within customer service in social media to know the sort of stuff that comes through as a representative of the brand versus someone who is a leader. Uh, So I do think there's merit here in actually breaking down these walls a little bit and looking at social media as a way to, if we go back to purpose, what are we trying to get out of this? Is our leader actually an effective means to do that? Are there other leaders who are better placed? and the one thing that we haven't talked about yet that I do I'm keen to get your views on here we've talked a lot about what goes out in social media and when we talk about avoiding social media the thought that immediately comes to people's minds is often well because if they say something and they get hauled across the coals that's that's going to be the end of me and my reputation so we're conscious of that But you should never be avoiding social media as the example you were giving there in terms of the the banknote and and research, a listening channel and the Mm -hmm. ability to read the room and understand stakeholders. And I don't think that anywhere near enough leaders use it for that purpose. Even flipping through LinkedIn, I I don't think they do that. I think it's outsourced and that's okay. But I do think there needs to be a review of how leaders are using real-time information to understand the needs of stakeholders on certain issues.
2: Well, yeah, I think it's important too that we we don't think this is my view anyway that we don't think social media is either the real world or the whole world. It's a world, a community, big one, but it's not everyone. So it, it shouldn't be seen as well. It, if you're not if you're not listening to it, you're not listening to anyone. Again, I think it comes back to purpose and knowing your. Communities, your audiences, your stakeholders, and knowing where, where where you can hear them, where their voices are heard. Invariably, there's bound to be an element of that on on a social media channel. Of course, but I do agree with you. It is important, and certainly at ASX, we used social media just as much as a everything from an early warning device. Yeah to a, a feedback channel and everything in between, as well as whatever we w- ourselves were generating across a social media platform, it is an important listening device as well.
1: What I've heard through this conversation is obviously the importance of being clear on why you're doing anything. And as you said, that's a, that's a time-tested principle, let alone social media. Leaders shouldn't categorically avoid social media, but nor should they jump in with eyes closed. You've got to step in purposefully. If we're saying that, then how do you start that conversation in an organization? Where does it start? I appreciate we're having this conversation is communications people. But the purpose of social media, as you just said there, Matthew, it's not necessarily just communicating. It's also listening. It's gaining intelligence. It's relationship building. It's attracting talent. There's a people and culture Mm, element. There's a sales element. There's so many different components to it. How do we ensure that organizations are having what would be fair and progressive conversations about the role that social media plays for their leadership? Where does that start?
0: I well, I mean, I think it starts right back at stakeholder analysis. Like, so for an organization, when you're doing the strategy, you part of the strategy is to know who your stakeholders are, whether that's a market, whether that's people you need to influence, whether that's people you're trying to employ. At that point, if it's done properly, whoever's doing it, you will get the answers to these things. Mm. And then the next stage is number of gates on the you've you've decided the who and almost the why in that process then the gates after that come to the how and that's where you put in the boundaries you put in the risk mitigation but you put in your incremental steps in like because it's not binary and what if you, if you choose for it to be binary once you're in you can't get out so you, like inch, inching in is always a good, a good start all of that stuff happens but Right, uh, any organisation should be doing stakeholder analysis that has nothing to do with—not nothing to do with commun- It's only partly to do with communications.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's right. Why? Why would you approach it any differently to how you've approached other, let's call them, newer technologies? I'm sure the first time this thing called, you know, the internet was developed, <laughs> or an email. Or even someone pushed in the fax machine. Well, I'm not going to use that. Uh, you know, I much prefer putting the pieces of paper in little pigeonholes or whatever it was, or bring back the stagecoach or the you know <laughs> the carrier pigeon. There is always a, a crossroads point or a right. Let's gather together and let's let's think through this latest new piece of technology. Technology is not a new thing. The types of technology are new for sure. But technology has been going around ever since someone you know, rolled a stone and it eventually became a wheel. That's technology. So human beings, including organisations and their leaders, have always confronted whatever the latest bit of technology is and they've sat around, they've looked at it, they've discussed it, they've poked it, and they've come up with the ways and means of how they engage with it in their interests. And their interests should always be in my view, the interests of their communities and their stakeholders as well. So a a happy balance would ordinarily be found, which will enable them to then move to in answer to your question, how does it start? I think that's how it starts, as it has always started.
0: But it's also it brings the importance in that of and this might be sound self self serving. For, for 50-somethings who don't like social media to be talking about, but given our... I'm talking
2: <laughs> to you again, Robin. She's picking on you a lot today. But,
0: but the the importance of having communications professionals, having a seat at the table, as opposed to just hmm. be given, being That's given good. the things to go off and communicate. Because this stuff is a, is a debate and communicating is an art, not a science. And there are lots of people in senior leadership positions that want it to be a science and it's not. So you you have to have the discussions and and poke it and turn it and mm. and and try and do those things. Yeah,
2: you're right, it is self-serving but I'm I'm happy to be aboard that. Well, it goes horribly wrong. It
0: does does go horribly wrong when you don't have the right people at the table. Whoever those right people are, you need the right people at the table. Yes,
1: with the right information about stakeholders and stakeholder behaviours, as you're saying. And I think that's a really nice point to close it is this idea we started the conversation about whether CEOs should avoid or leaders should avoid social media, which is a very insular view. And really the answer you've both given there is the external world has the answer for you. If they are active. If there's an expectation, if there is a demand and a need and a, a behaviour that craves information that way, how do they want that information delivered? Who is delivering it to them? And, and as you said, Vanessa, how to govern that appropriately is very sensible advice rather than just diving in. So look, the message for me is don't ignore social media. We've universally agreed that that might be a bit foolish because doing so actually ignores your key stakeholders, potentially ignores your well, key if, stakeholders. you if they are, you
2: work out who they are. Sometimes the answer might be ignore it. And avoid it, as we said. It depends on knowing who you are and knowing who your
1: audience is. Exactly. And doing your research. That's really important. Rather than saying it doesn't work for me and therefore it doesn't matter – does it matter to the people who matter to you? Because if it does, it does matter to me. That's a nice little um, circle there. And also treating social media as a strategic asset in your toolkit, if appropriate, treating it that way and not believing it is just another place to regurgitate media releases or something where you just push messages out and leave it to other people. It's important to take it seriously if you are going to step in. It is not a magic wand for popularity, as you were saying before, Vanessa. So if I can finish with a quote the fitting way to to Better end today. Me, I heard a wise man once say actually that a good name is critical today and protecting and enhancing reputation has been my job. I'll let you try and guess who that was, but after today's conversation I think the message to all communications leads exactly as you said Vanessa is that that job now extends online, wouldn't you say, Matthew? So if people have questions and encouragements from today's show. Well, but you have to name your source. <laughs> <laughs> He's done a good job today. How should people reach you if they have questions or encouragements from today's show? Through my agent,
0: Vanessa.
1: <laughs> 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 Direct all to this, of
2: Well, I guess you
0: can, get us on me. Me. You, can, you can only get me on LinkedIn in a social media sense, yes. although. But, uh, yeah, absolutely.
1: So everyone, right. everyone can contact with Matthew them. over there.
0: And, and, and,
2: and we play well, Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays <laughs> in Sydney. There
0: We're you. here all week, and join yeah. the veal. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <For> <laughs> Vanessa and Matthew, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for being part of the Your Digital Pleasure. Reputation You're podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks again for listening. If you've learned something from today's conversation, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with others. For all show notes, head to propelgroup.com.au. Thanks again for listening.